What's up, WNBA Nation? Welcome back to yet another installment of our 2021 team previews. Uh, my name's Kyle Haywood. Thank you for joining us tonight or today or this morning or whenever you happen to be listening to this show. I am joined tonight by one of my best friends in the whole wide world, Steve Schwartzman. How are we doing, Steve? Check, 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 check. Check it out. I'm swell. I'm stellar. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. It's been I've the last like week or so has been wonderful having the W back in my life. It's just oh, good times. I, I couldn't agree more. It, when when WNBA basketball is back, it just everything seems more right in the world. It just does. Absolutely. So I I, I feel you on that one. Uh, well, for those of you uh, who have listened to some of our other installments of this series, we uh, today are going to be breaking down. Uh, a team and, and really kind of taking a, an outside perspective look at, uh, for this episode, the Seattle Storm last year's WNBA champion. So, um, we're really, I'm really excited about this episode. This is a team that we have a lot of personal connections to. It's, it's a team that we, um, honestly pay attention to as much as anybody else because they were one of those initial teams that got us into the league. Um, they've won two championships since we started covering the league and, um, they're just, a, they're just a bunch of fun. So, uh, we're, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about the Seattle storm tonight. Agreed. So, but before we, before we get too far into actually breaking them down, um, if you haven't had an opportunity to go back and check out some of our other episodes where we've, we've touched on every other team in the league, except for, uh, the Las Vegas Aces, who will be our last episode coming very soon after this one releases. Um, but go ahead and go back and check those out. Get our takes on, on where, uh, how we feel. And, and basically if you're a fan of the league and you're just exploring, wanting to know more about, um, which teams you should, uh, maybe which team you should be a fan of. See if it's Seattle. If not, go check out one of the other episodes and see if you can find, uh, your answer in one of those as well. Um, but Steve, before we, before we start off, uh, how about you let everybody know the best way that they can, uh, be in contact with us and interact with us on, uh, social media and whatnot? Well, of course, you can, as always, find us on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod. You can find some of our sister programs as well on Twitter. There's NWSL Nation Pod, NWHL Nation Pod, uh, especially prevalent when those are, those team, those leagues, I guess, are, are in play. So we're hoping to spike up some NWSL discussion there. It's been a bit dormant, but we'll get to it. Um, similar nomenclature over on Facebook. If you're listening to the show on podcasts, you found it. But if you're looking for it, you can find us essentially anywhere that your podcast can, of course, be found. We always encourage uh, activity there. If you listen on a platform that gives any sort of review system, especially Apple Podcasts, we'd love to see a five-star review and some comments. That helps us in the algorithm world, but also you know, render support that has been beneficial uh, to us, but we love candid and supportive feedback, whatever we can do to make this a better experience for you. We're absolutely here to do it. Uh, of course, if you haven't had the opportunity, you could always check us out live on Twitch. Uh, we'll be, we tweet out our live streams uh, through our Twitter feed. So you could always check those out. 
We absolutely love our, our Twitch family. They've been dutiful in, in joining with us on live streams. They've been very active in chat. Uh, it's been a lot of fun getting to know them and sharing some extra stuff with them. You, you get a little bit of extra conversation, some extra content, which makes it fun as well. And also get to hear in a way how the sausage is sort of made. Some little kinks here and there that uh, not <laughs> so everyone true. gets to experience, which is good fun. Maybe maybe one of our audio cuts out and we have to figure out how to make that work for a while. And we just got to deal that with it on live. Just like a few minutes immediately ago. prior to um, recording this episode. Fun yeah. there. Um, <laughs> also does support us a little bit. So if you do follow and subscribe to the channel on Twitch, uh, it also, you know, helps give us a little bit of kickback, which we can use to help just cover expenses for the show and put together some more initiatives in in helping uh, primarily new fans get into the league which we're excited to do. Tickets are like a thing now again, so we can actually start uh, d- doling out tickets again, which we're excited about. Last, of course, if you're looking for some dope merch like this awesome baseball shirt I got on right now, uh, head over to our Store Envy page, uh, which we'll, we'll have the link there for you. And of course, you can find it through our Twitter feed as well. Jason's primarily been our design guy. He's been designing some amazing merch. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff up and running, and, and we would love to see some pics of, of what merch you're rocking makes it a lot of fun. So, so check that out. I think that covers everything, but we're just glad to have you. This is, this is definitely the time to be a part of it. We are in full swing dead into the season. Uh, but we, we run, we run this gambit throughout the entire year. So we're always here to, to give you quality content and we hope we're doing that. I feel like we're doing a good job. I, I hope I give so. us a good I grade. Hope so. <laughs> It's been a lot of fun. Uh, and honestly, over the last, uh, probably 18 months or so, we've seen a really significant increase in, uh, in our audience. And so I think that reflects well, not on only our show, but I think on the WNBA and women's basketball in general, which for me personally, uh, that just makes me really excited. So thank you all for this love and the support. This has been, uh, one of the, one of the better, uh, elements of my life is is uh, getting to do this show with some of my very best friends and to cover the league that in my opinion is the greatest uh, basketball league on the planet so with that being said let's talk about the champion of that current best basketball league on the planet the the 2020 WNBA champion Seattle Storm. Mm-hmm. So how this is going to go Steve is uh we're going to take a look we're going to start this this uh this thing off by taking a, a a kind of a look back. 2020 season for the Seattle Storm went about as well as you could uh have expected. Um just I want to hear from you what are your key thoughts on how 2020 went for the Seattle team? Goodness, what can you say that hasn't already been said? Uh, I, this, uh, roster from top to bottom, I think walked into the 2020 season as the best roster, p- possibly all, like before the pandemic affected a lot of things, you could make that argument full stop potentially. Right. And then of course, as the pandemic had happened, we had some players who for health reasons or for iconoclasm reasons, you know, their decision, is valued, whatever it was, but for various reasons ended up, you know, backing out. I think they've definitely walked in looking like a heavy favorite. You saw other teams, I think Vegas especially, really come uh, step up in, in that clutch and, and they found themselves in the one seed. So there was a lot of, of maneuvering, but when you go back and watch that playoff roster, they hit a gear no one else had. 
And I think it's because yeah. they had every aspect of the court covered between their starters and their bench. They had the perimeter taken care of. They had their mid-range taken care of. The defensive side of the ball was was ready to go. They just had a weapon for any piece of any other team's arsenal. Um, very much unstoppable. And I think the changes to this roster were indicative of that because you had a lot of players who honestly earned a heck of a lot of coin for the level of talent that was on this roster. And that's kind of usually a telltale sign that you have a, a almost a generational ledger from top to bottom. And, and Absolutely. already we've seen what those players have been putting in, in their respective areas. So it's, it's shown itself off definitely. But yeah, this was, this was one of those, uh, teams that you could realistically stand up against almost any other WNBA team over the past 25 years. A hundred percent. And I agree with that. I think that this is a team that just felt dominant. They technically went into this, into the playoffs as the number two seed, even though they had a, a tied record with the Las Vegas aces for the number one seed, Las Vegas had the better head to head matchup against Seattle. So Las Vegas went in as the number one seed, but Seattle dominant throughout the entire season and especially dominant once the once the playoffs were uh were happening they just went in and it nobody came close to them it was just uh they throttled every team uh throughout the the playoffs um a lot of a lot of key returners actually still coming back to this team so let's let's hop into that um this is a team who has a really solid identity and that identity didn't change too drastically as far as who the major players are. The key returners for the Seattle Storm team heading into 2021 are Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd, Sue Bird, and Jordan Canada. Um, Steve, let's just start with Brianna Stewart right out the gate. She comes back, uh, uh, you know, Brie comes back off of an injury that a lot of times we've seen completely alter and athletes, you know, mm-hmm. future and, and how they can move on the court and not only comes back and performs well, but performs well enough that she's pretty much won almost every piece of hardware that you can win in one calendar year from returning from set injury. So, so that alone I think is just impressive. So what are your thoughts on, on Bree Stewart? You know, and really quick, I'm going to be that guy and say, I feel like if there is Another name you could realistically add to that list of notables, probably Ezzy Magmagor, especially given the absolutely contr- contribution that's been planned for her this season, especially. But um, there was so much Twitter chatter across the basketball, especially the MNBA Twitter universe, about what a phenomenal return Kevin Durant has had from from his similar injury. And I'm going to ask all of those people, Durant included, to pump their brakes a little bit because... For someone in Bree Stewart who wears KDs pretty regularly, I feel like Durant probably needs to start wearing Bree's signature shoe and it's available because she's had the best return from this injury that I think we may have ever seen. I think right. I can comfortably say that. I mean, at the level she is, you could easily have argued her into the MVP slot um, and it would have made a lot of sense. She was just far and away the difference maker by the by the point of the finals when all of that a wind and muscles under her legs no one had an answer for her and that's what it comes down to i think logan in our season predictions said pretty clearly that he feels like Brianna Stewart is pound for pound the best basketball player in the world all levels all genders potentially right now and i think 
there's a heavy argument for it, for that. 2020 definitely showed it. I think what we've seen out of her at the start of the 2021 season is looking a lot of the same. Absolutely. Uh, so you've got Bree Stewart, who a lot of people would consider potentially the best player in basketball currently, uh, kind of leading the charge, but she is not alone. Jewel Lloyd, um, who seemed to have a, just a slight dip in play prior to 2020, came back with a vengeance. And especially in the playoffs in particular, the finals, um, in my opinion, I thought Jewel Lloyd was going to end up being the finals MVP um, of the 2020 season because she absolutely turned it on uh, when it, when it, when, when games really matter, Jewel Lloyd takes that step up. You know, you love to see players that, that, that take a step up when, when uh, you know, when the heat is on and she's that type of player. Jewel Lloyd, a former rookie of the year, um, an absolute like dead eye and all around scoring aficionado um, and a very personal favorite of uh, each of us uh, hosting this show mm-hmm. tonight. We, we absolutely love and adore everything gem uh, related. So um, Steve uh, thoughts on Jewel Lloyd, Sue Bird, Jordan Canada, kind of the other elements of, of kind of this core of players that are returning for Seattle. I think I can really, in all the saying, all this echo what Sue Bird herself said in a recent postgame interview, which was to say there was a lot of pressure put on Seattle Storm, and there's a lot of people almost taking them out of the title discussion that Vegas and Chicago and company come in because of who they've lost, which we're about to go into that. And obviously, all of the players that moved on and a lot of those key individuals, you lost a lot of high-level value. That can't be determined, but... Basically, what she said is like our core, and she mentioned Bree and mentioned Jewel. I think Canada definitely comes into that discussion too, in a way. With that core, you have something special that can always be brewing. Like it, you can always find a way to build a highly successful team off of that roster. Now, bear in mind that roster did exist for two full seasons before they got into the title picture, but right. there it's such a well oiled situation where. You obviously have the dominance of, of Bree. You have Sue Bird, who can essentially be the best at what she decides she wants to be. Jewel Lloyd can fit almost seemingly any role. And you saw that last season where she didn't have to be a scorer first. She could be a facilitator. She could be mm-hmm. three and D. She like whatever situation you needed her to fold into, she did it with absolute ease and absolute effort. Um, it, the there's so much that you could say, but I feel like so much of it has been said in terms of when you look at a core part of a roster to hold together, they're about as vital as anyone. So um that's what continues to keep them in that discussion. Now the balance comes down to they obviously we're going to dive into their depth, right? But like, is it enough of a core that, Making up that depth, that loss of depth is easier than it looks. That's the discussion. And we're two games in against one opponent. Well, it's hard to tell at the moment, but yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like I'm saying the same thing, which is just like, they're very good. That's been my overarching response to all these, <laughs> all these inquiries so far. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. You've got, um, you've got two all surefire Hall of Famers, probably three, uh, in this, in this core, plus Jordan Canada, who's, who's kind of come in and really, um, kind of 
been kind of the the one that Subert is probably going to pass the torch on to eventually, uh, who seems very, very solid. However, as you've alluded to, there were some big time key departures. Some of the players um, who have left went and got paid, went and signed very large contracts with other teams because... To be honest, Seattle has to eventually re-sign Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd, and others, right? Like, they have to put up money eventually. They can't afford to keep all their players. So we did see a departure of at least... Um, there were, there were several players departing, but the three big ones that came to mind that got a, a lot of playing time and had, had big, um, impacts on the 2020 season are Natasha Howard, who, uh, went to, um, <clears throat> who went to New York. Sammy Whitcomb, who accompanied Howard to New York, and of course Alicia Clark, uh, who's now playing for Washington, actually injured currently, but would but is signed with Washington. Now in Howard and Clark, you're kind of taking your one-two punch uh, on the defensive end. Um, both of them front runners, oftentimes for that defensive player of the year. Um, you know, Natasha Howard, really a lockdown defender and, and rim protector. Alicia Clark, arguably the best perimeter defender in the game, um, and can defend literally the one through five spots on the floor. Sammy Whitcomb, a three point sniper who, uh, really adds a lot, not just on the court, but off the court as well. Um, Steve, what do you do if you're Seattle and you're losing these three, you know, high profile and essential cogs to your, to your machine here, um, as you're, as you're moving forward. I mean, what do you do? The answer to that is very much, I mean, the moves that they have made, which we'll get into in a minute. I would say if I were to rank these, I think Clark was probably the biggest loss just in terms of she had a direct role that you could say what she contributed to this roster is what put the storm over the hump. Right. Uh, into, into winning two championships in three seasons in that her ability to defend on the wing, her ability to p- defend at the perimeter and her ability to essentially glue over to another team's top scorer and mitigate them was huge. Uh, it, it was, it was one of those things where how she wasn't more regularly in that defensive player of the year type discussion was really interesting. Now, Natasha Howard obviously was highly valuable. This was a player who left a very comfortable title situation in Minnesota to bet on herself and and stretch out and and be a successful player in Seattle. Proved that immediately. Uh, you know, got the most improved award and then had a year. Where she was essentially the focal point of the team while while Bree was out. And this move to New York makes a lot of sense because it gives you an opportunity to become a focal, a, more of a focal point of a roster that's looking to improve. And that's interesting. I think what you lose with Howard is you had that like fourth option t- that could take over a game. And mm. that was what you had that like no other team really quite had that fourth person who could just take over a game. And right. if, if it was, if Bree wasn't hit, if Sue wasn't hit, if Jim wasn't hidden, like you had Howard in your back pocket. And, and that was just mean almost in a way for a roster <laughs> to have. So it's really hard to say that. Now, you bring up Sammy. I didn't think it was that big of a move until, quite honestly, I saw the effect of what Whitcomb's been doing in New York already. Right. And we're only three right. games into yeah. the season for the Liberty, but you can absolutely tell 
what she does for that roster immediately in her effectiveness and her shooting ability, but also being simply one of the fastest players in the league and, and what that does to open up an offense and really get things gelling really well. It's a high level of energy. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're going to take three players from roster, if you're, if you can keep your four and, and still feel like you left a huge chunk out of your roster, this is how you do it. Very right. much. So these obviously were, were big time departures and a lot of people, myself included, have a lot of questions, Marks, as far as how is Seattle going to move forward and as far as trying to replace these or at least mitigate some of the losses that came from Howard Clark and Whitcomb departing. They did have a couple uh really solid key additions. There's two in particular that I want to bring up uh, and emphasize. There's, there's several others as well on the roster, but as far as what we're seeing, uh, at least initially in this season, um, two players in particular are going to have a lot of impact immediately uh, on the floor for the Seattle Storm. And that is veteran Candace Dupree and uh, still pretty new to the league, but it seems like we've been watching her play basketball for a long time. Katie Lou Samuelson. Um, so, Steve, how do you feel like Seattle did with picking up these two players and, and obviously you've got others like you've got your Kiki Herbert Harrigan and others um, that may not be seeing the floor as much right now. How, how do you feel like Seattle did in, in trying to replace some of those key departures with some of these pieces? Well, first of all, we're finally seeing the Katie Lou Samuelson that I think UConn fans were expecting to see a few years ago. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is the most comfortable she's ever been. She's able to play at a level that she feels comfortable doing. I think her being at, at essentially full health really supports that as well. And I was surprised at how well she fit. I, obviously it's hard to replace the defensive prowess of, of, of Clark, for instance, if you're saying that's kind of the one-to-one switch here in this case. Um, but offensively, most definitely, I mean, she has shot extremely well, all things considered. I mean, that's considering she hit one from the logo to beat the buzzer the other night, but <laughs> Um, and you, you can tell the energy's there. What you get with Katie Lou, especially though, I think is a chemistry build. She's mm. a, she's someone that brings a positive atmosphere and a supportive atmosphere. You can tell she gels well with her teammates. And that's, uh, I think that's a big get for Seattle. That's something they're always looking for. With Candace, it just comes down to like, first of all, it's Candace freaking Dupree. Like that starts with that idea of just like, who's saying no to this? But I think the other end of that discussion comes down to the fact that, you have someone who's obviously going to be a consistent scorer, but at the end of the day is going to be a valuable voice for a lot of those youth pieces that you have in here because Candace Dupree to me makes Stephanie Talbot that much more uh, valuable to pick up for this roster. You know, without Candace, maybe it's not, you know, I love Talbot, but maybe it's not at, because she's there to really lead that side of the roster and support them and give that insight um, and play very hard nosed offense. So I think you pick that up a lot. It's hard to say that whether or not they found enough to break the defensive mold that they lost. It almost feels like the moves they made kind of, they're turning in a different direction, which is to say, I think we have the stout pieces to make this happen. We just may have to change the way we defend, kind of fill the key a little bit more because you're going to mm. see a lot more of Magbagor. Uh, when Mercedes Russell's healthy, you're going to see a lot more of Mercedes and you're going to see that ability to say, I think we can outsize a lot of teams and force them into shooting situations that maybe not they're very comfortable in, as opposed to when they had Alicia Clark and Natasha Howard. And the kind of idea there was to say, like, we're going to 
to essentially fill you up at the perimeter and and kind of take shots out of the question. So I think they're changing that direction of things. But it really feels like their big pickups were more let's continue to lean in on you know offensively, see if we can maintain our, our shooting prowess and and add confidence into some of our bigs so that we can reshift our defensive strategy and still be dominant. Um, we've seen one seventeenth worth of a season of that. So it's obviously <laughs> hard to tell whether or not that's kicked off, but I mean, it's a decent call if you can make it. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree completely. I think that when you lose that many, like really solid players, two starters and you're probably your, your sixth, you know, sixth person off the bench. That's, that's really, really hard to replace. Um, but you bring in Candace, you bring in Dupree and Samuelson. Those are really solid pieces. Um, I don't know if, you know, uh, uh, if it's a perfect exchange, exchange across the board, I still think that they probably have lost more than they gained in the offseason. Mm-hmm. But I do like what I'm seeing so far from Dupree and Samuelson in this system. So I still think that Seattle's definitely a, uh, a threat in this. Uh, in this upcoming season. Before we hit the, our floor and ceiling discussion, though, I do want to make a quick mention. Uh, Keanu Williams out of Stanford is the lone draft pick that is on the roster for 2021. Um, a guard out of Stanford that uh, played some really solid basketball, obviously national champion. Um, and uh, we'll see how well she fits into this uh, into this Seattle team. It's always difficult for these players that get drafted to, you know, reigning champions or, you know, these teams that are kind of the top dog and have to try and break into that rotation. And we've yet to see that necessarily from Williams, um, but it will be interesting to see uh, how how the Seattle, uh, you know, values her and, and what she's going to do moving forward. Um, let's, let's talk floor and ceiling, Steve. Um, where do you see, uh, where do you see the range as far as where Seattle could finish in 2021? Um, I mean, honestly, their ceiling is being the first team to repeat as champions since the Sparks. Yeah. In, in 0102. I mean, that's, that's, kind of the discussion we're at right now is, is this, is this a team that can pull it together? I think that they have pieces to make that happen. There's a whole lot of variables outside of the storm that switch whether or not that happens, but that is definitely their ceiling. I mean, they, they're still in that discussion. I mean, even when, even when teams weren't dropping Seattle in as their prediction for a title, they, I still think they were definitely in that discussion of like, they could still align the planets and make it happen. So definitely. I'd agree with that. I'd agree that their ceiling, I, I don't know if I would call them their, call them the, my title favorites. You know, I'd probably have one or two other teams that I, I would consider, uh, up there, but I, I think they're definitely in that, uh, discussion of, uh, I don't, I think that they very likely could have a first round buy in the playoffs. And if that's the case, that increases your chances of appearing in the finals dramatically by having that first round by and a, a, avoiding that one game elimination situation. Um, so I, I really do like seeing Seattle, you know, I, I agree. I think that their ceiling is title contenders. Um, again, not necessarily favorites, but would I be absolutely surprised to see Seattle end up as the number one seed again, or not, or as the number one seed this season and go on to win the finals. I wouldn't be surprised by mm-hmm. that uh in the least. Um however, let's talk about their floor. They did lose quite a bit um and uh and we've yet to see 
maybe necessarily what that impact truly uh, may be. Um, where do you where do you see Seattle if if things don't come together with what they've lost and 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 moving forward? Where do you see them ending up in their in the floor? Oh gosh, this is a tough one because I made some predictions during your season predictions, not necessarily including Seattle, but I. But I, I know how easy it is when you do your one through eight to piss people off. So I'm trying to think about this balance, <laughs> right? Yeah. There's a realistic case, especially if, if New York finds a way to maintain how they're playing in the, after their first three games. Now, there's so many factors. We have a lot of players who still need to come back from overseas and we have, you know, it's just a lot of basketball over time and an Olympic break. But if they continue to play at the level that they are and, you know, Connecticut plays at the level they are, there's a realistic case to say I could put Seattle about at the five. I don't know mm. that I dropped them to six. Some might. Uh, but five is where I sort of, if, if we're factoring away injuries or any other haphazard stuff like that, that's, that's kind of where I see it as maybe them being a game or two out of the initial buy stage. Right. Coming into playoffs, but that's about as far back as I would go. My issue there is, is this is a Seattle team that I think in their mind it's championship or bust because this is probably their last elite level year. There are a lot of changes maybe on the horizon after the season. So when you, when you look at that, you go five doesn't feel like a, a terrible drop for the storm. It may feel like it if they have to drop that far back. No, I'd agree with you. I, I had them as low as five, potentially six, if absolutely the bottom falls out of this organization. I don't predict that. All right. I, I hope that people understand. We started with ceiling. Both of us <laughs> claimed that we would not be surprised that they could be the title winners this Ooh. year. Um, I could see them dropping significantly because I do feel like there were some other, other teams that while Seattle was so dominant last year, a lot of other teams took big steps forward, you know, looking at teams like Las Vegas, Chicago, um, Minnesota, even Phoenix that took a, a pretty significant jump forward, uh, at least on paper and, and what it seemed like in the offseason. Um, and so how far of a jump forward and how far of a step back, you know, Seattle may have if those if those two things are more dramatic than maybe we initially would think. Yeah, I could see them dropping it pretty much exactly where you've got them about that five or six range. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you, if you were to, uh, I don't remember exactly, Steve, where you had them as far as like your season prediction. Uh, it, it, do you remember where you had them as far as like an official pre- predicted, predict, projected seed? I might have had them at one, but I think I did have them at two. It's possible. Mm. Um, I think you did I have them at two because I think I had you had them, Las Vegas at one. Yeah. And I had them. I had them losing. This is this is that prediction that a lot of people were like, Steve, you're nuts. But you know what? I may not be able to stream for the rest of the season, so I might as well leave with some spice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Seattle. I think I'd Seattle losing in the semis to to Phoenix, mm-hmm. uh, which led I, to I my, think that, that my big right. Phoenix prediction. So that's I believe that's where I have them sitting. I yeah. I can't speak Excellent. to to how how variable that is at this point. There's more. Uh, I think. It pains me to say, I, I tried to assume that maybe some of these moves were a little more dramatic than we initially thought. I think I dropped them all the way to five, um, mm-hmm. which I, I may be regretting after I've seen these first two initial games of the season where they've gone up against Las Vegas. Um, they, they probably won't finish that low. 
Um, I don't, I think that was maybe a little dramatic, but that is where I had them at the start of the season. Steve, we love this team. We're, we're close to this team. We know, uh, we know a lot about this organization. Um, as an official, um, as an official assistant GM of the Seattle Storm, what's your elevator pitch? <laughs> to a new fan coming uh, into this team of the league. <laughs> I'm so bad at these things. This elevator pitch is. I I don't think there's a single better roster if you want if not only to be a fan of a team, if you want to be a holistic fan of the WNBA, and by that I mean learn as much about the, the last 25 years of the WNBA in one go. Be a fan of the Seattle Storm. Sue Bird speaks for a prestigious past. She obviously is still playing at a high level, and which is why she's one of the greatest to ever do it. You're looking at Bree Stewart, who is the very much now, and Jewel Lloyd, who is the now as well. You're looking at young players who, and, and even those same players who speak to the future and will be the next faces of the league. This, this team is where great women's basketball history and future women's basketball history meet at a crossroads. And so it's a basketball nerd paradise, but it's also somewhere where you will not only support a team and wear the merch, but will will vehemently fall in love right away. Because falling in love with the store means you're falling in love with, the, with 25 years of the WNBA, or at least 20, you know, 17 years of the WNBA, if you're only going to start that <laughs> clock when Super entered the league. But I still think it speaks for that history. So I think that's that side of it. Um, if you love textbook shooters, if you love watching tape of, of, uh, people do the beef drill, you know, band extension follow through. That's, that's pretty much done here. Um, last I'll say, if you're, if you're very similar to, uh, the Kyle and Steve, where you like watching passes much more than you like watching dunks and deep threes. This is one of the two teams you should be a fan of. It's between Seattle and Chicago to me of who are the best right. passing teams. And you're very, this puts you on the list. I was watching a clip, um, cause on the, on the league pass now, when they're commercial, they just show highlights from the previous season. Yeah. And I forgot. Jordan Canada might have had my favorite pass from last season. Oh. The, that one, that one had cross court ba- bounce. Yep, I know exactly um, the one you're talking about. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> it was so it, good, like a four seam fastball. It's beautiful. That's that's <laughs> what Seattle brings to you. They give you just enough flair. It's that it, they're, they're very much a Gordon Ramsay team. Mainly, it's simple ingredients done extremely well. But they're always going to drop just a, a little bit of a extra. A little, you know, a little bit of extra spice, a little bit of extra sweetness in there to remind you why they stand above the rest. So that's why they're fun. love it, love it. Well, that was uh, a long uh, elevator, by the way. That's that was, that's good. We're, we're, <laughs> that's we're like at floor one hundred one hundred five or something now. So you know what I. I would expect nothing less. Uh, this is again, this is a team that was, uh, one of the first interactions that we had with the league. Um, 
Brianna Stewart uh, sending a video message to the th- to three of the four of us is literally how this uh, podcast eventually came to be. Um, so shouts to Seattle Storm. They obviously are going to always hold a kind of a special place here with our uh, our hosts uh, of WNBA Nation. Uh, but that's pretty much all we've got for you uh, tonight. We will cut this. We could go on and on about this team, but we're going to cut this uh, where we're at now. Um, but Steve, appreciate you talking Seattle with me. Love this team. Um, for WNBA Nation, I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Steve Schwartzman. And we got you next time.